Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 94 for Monday, June 22nd, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is Johnny, a.k.a. Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello! Hello, folks, and welcome to the Nether Update waiting room, which is what I've designated this podcast. <laughs> well aware, of course, that some people who are listening later in the week may be uh, listening to this from the future and uh, have got the Nether Update already. I hope it's treating you well. But in the meantime, if you want to listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast, so you can hear why exactly my voice is a little bit gravelier than usual, and hear Joel's plan for a satisfactory, inspired Minecraft Hyperloop you can get that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks oh it's been a so, week <laughs> it has been it has been and uh i actually uh as i mentioned quite a bit in the render distance i haven't played minecraft this week once i heard that the release date was tomorrow for uh, 116 and i had this other game satisfactory i wanted to play i just took a break so i haven't done anything minecraft related this week but that works out because you have done something phenomenal with minecraft this week that i'd love for you, you to share with everybody thank you yeah no on balance i feel like <laughs> i i have i have taken up the slack a little bit and i have been doing a lot of minecraft i think if anything i'm feeling more motivated to play minecraft knowing that the update is so close because it's it's the it's not that kind of the malaise that comes with waiting and not knowing you know at this point i'm like prep you know we need to <laughs> we need to get ready uh but mm -hmm. that included this charity stream that i mentioned uh, at the end of a couple of our previous shows uh this saturday my wife and i streamed for 10 hours <laughs> 10 plus it was going to be eight hours originally but we met a bunch of our fundraising goals smashed them in fact with the help of my community and Part, I imagine the Spawn Chunks community came out for that and various other uh, folks that I know online have been uh, really, really generous and helpful in supporting the stream. We raised $11,370 at the last count. I'm fairly certain that has remained the same. Uh, I don't know if we've had any anybody else snuck in at the last second. Uh, but that was all going to the Loveland Foundation, who is one of the other um, organizations that I'm also donating my channel revenue, my Twitch revenue and so forth to this month but we did an extra fundraising stream for them uh so the survival guide world now has a diverse forest of trees and mushrooms for basically everybody who donated anyone who showed up uh above a certain threshold of donation like above ten dollars got you a tree planted and we put signs on some of the trees i was building custom trees for people who were able to give a little more generously and yeah we had some some phenomenally generous people show up to the stream and we now have this whole area this dark oak forest that i cut down thinking i reckon maybe we'll fill this over the course of eight hours it was looking pretty full after like two or three um but yeah we had a great great time and as a result because we hit our fundraising goal doubled and and more our fundraising goal uh, i'm going to be making the survival guide world available as a world download probably around the time this show goes out to everybody um, I'm planning on doing a little bit more work on it this afternoon, just getting it ready for download, and then it will be hosted in various places. I'll have a video up on my YouTube channel all about it. So if you're interested, if you've been following along with my Minecraft shenanigans for the last little while, uh, I'll probably give a link to Joel so that if, if it's out already, I can, you can pop it in the show notes or just post on the, on the Twitter, I guess. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, the main, the main kind of milestone that we wanted to hit, and... We went further. We uh, respawned and fought the Ender Dragon, which meant five of the Obsidian Towers I had completely mined out got regenerated live on stream. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my end is now looking very much like it used to, and I still have all the Obsidian, of course. It's not like it mm -hmm. pulls it all out of my chests to rebuild those towers, but... 
man, yeah, that was a lot of work we did a while ago, and uh, I guess I can just go and mine them again <laughs> at some point. I had some plans for it eventually. Um, but yeah, Respawn and Fought the Ender Dragon on stream, that was great. I also, also want to just give a big thank you to my wife, uh, Christina, who doesn't really play Minecraft all that often, uh, but we played some co-op Minecraft dungeons, and she was there in the survival guide world with me the whole time, helping to plant some trees and stuff, and she was an absolute trooper, considering she's not all that familiar with Minecraft, and uh, we had some weird issues with my laptop, which she was playing on not being able to type stuff without deleting it for a while, so she was having to plant the trees, and then I have to go and write the signs, and it was chaos oh, for weird. a bit there, but yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it all sort of smoothed itself out a little bit later, I think, just uh, gi giving the machine a kick, or just rebooting it or something would have had helped. But yeah, it, it all went super, super well. We are still reeling from the, the sheer amount of generosity that we had and the outpouring of love and support we felt on that stream. It was truly humbling and very, very special to us. So yeah, uh, so that's why my voice sounds like this. <laughs> Between that and um, my latest survival guide video, which once again, I wanted to get out before the nether update happened because I knew that the nether update is just going to uh completely overwhelm anything else i had planned already because there's new stuff to go and explore and check out and us youtube folks we like to keep on top of these things so i spent basically all of last night into the morning uh finishing my 303 questions about minecraft video only a few of which i got wrong as my uh my comments section is now informing me apparently around the time I was editing the clip where I said, I don't think you can make a TNT duplicator with honey blocks. Ilmango was publishing a video where he made a TNT duplicator with honey blocks. So, <laughs> once again, <laughs> once again, all of the, this man's gonna end my whole career, um, you know, the, the memes come out in the, in the comments section. But it, that, was, that was great, and I'm, I'm really happy to have got that milestone past me because a lot of people have been looking forward to that video for a long time. And yeah, I feel motivated to play Minecraft again. And knowing that the update is coming tomorrow, yeah, I'm I'm in my groove right now. It feels very very good. Before we get into uh, what's coming tomorrow, uh, you added a, a really uh, excellent story to our news rundown that I'd like to share now. Uh, Moyang commemorates Juneteenth and supports the Black community. Uh, on Friday, June 19th, all proceeds and, and sales from Minecraft, Minecraft Dungeons, and the Minecraft Marketplace went to support Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, Equal Justice Initiative, and the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. Uh, so uh, lots of... I, lots of support in the Minecraft community between yourself and, and Christina and uh, even Moyang uh, doing some really, really cool stuff. Uh, there also was a little note in this article that I wanted to share as well, uh, where Moyang reached out and said, thanks to help from our partners, such as Amazon, who have waived their royalty free during the donations, uh, allowing the donations to go even further. So some, some pretty big companies uh, getting involved and making it uh possible for donations uh to these important organizations and uh dude i i just think like i really have a lot of respect and admiration and uh, just gratitude i think for for what you did this weekend uh and uh it's just it's a really cool thing when you're when you're working on a podcast you're being part of a community like this and it is a video game and sometimes when 
there's things in the world that make you kind of like look at what you know what you're doing professionally it's like well is this really is this really something that is important and then you get to see things like this what you and christina did on the weekend you know when what when moyang is a responsible you know company is doing this kind of things it really hammers home that you know you're part of a community and that community can make a difference and i think that's it was a nice reminder over the last week uh, I think to have both of those things for me. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know how many people have said it so far, but thanks for doing what you did. Cause I think, I just think it's fantastic. I, I, I obviously like <laughs> be, being British and wanting to deflect any kind of praise anyway, but also I, <laughs> I, I, re I really want to, I really want to emphasize the role that my community has played in all of this. They're the ones giving generously, you know, we're, we're mm -hmm. providing a, a place for everybody to come together sure but at the end of the day it's the people who've been watching the streams and 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 checking this stuff out and donating to worthwhile causes and stuff it's it's very very important to us and the community has stepped up in unimaginable ways over the last little while so it it really should be a shout out to them absolutely so uh let's move on to talk about the uh the pre-releases and the the release candidate which is a brand new thing yeah, that's brand new. Uh, I wrote down a couple of quick bugs just because uh, release pre-release seven and eight happened over the course of the week. Mm -hmm. They didn't happen like they just they all of this kind of stuff happened between last show and this show. Uh, and so there's really there's not a lot to talk about in the pre-release. Pre-releases just a couple of bugs I thought were worth mentioning. Uh, skeletons not spawning frequently enough in Soul Sand Valleys has been fixed. Uh, unable to jump over uh, a one high block uh, from flowing lava uh that has a level of three or lower has been fixed so people were getting stuck in lava and dying that's not good uh and textures and other bug fixes galore i can see the full list uh from pre-release seven and eight at minecraft.net uh, pre-release eight really it was just this thing about large ferns only dropping one small fern when harvested when they really should drop two uh and then a lot of player hand eating weapon animation fixes there are just a bunch of glitches and stuff like that yeah just making um, everything look a little more consistent yeah, I'm really. It's really funny because I've not noticed any of this kind of stuff, and I didn't know about these bugs. Until like, I feel like they've been some of these bugs have been introduced in the snapshots, which is very strange. You know, considering that what they're doing usually has nothing to do with hand animation that I know of. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's 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 odd, but it's nice to see all this stuff kind of been been wrapped up. But I know that you had a few things to say about the release candidate now that it's here. Yeah, it's really interesting this because it's it's going along with a trend i've noticed with mojang communicating more clearly with players which is something that i really appreciate so at the start of the main post for the 116 release candidate they've said previously the last pre-release was in fact the release candidate but now we're making that more clear by changing the name to be release candidate which means if there are no major issues following this release no further changes will be done before the full release. So effectively, this is pre-release 9, but they've marked it release candidate just to say if you guys don't have any major crash issues, if there are no exploits that will, you know, bring servers down or something like that, this is going to be it. The nether update will look like this. Uh, and of course, clarifying that it was still due for release uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, June 23rd. Um, so I think this is great. I don't really have much else to say about this. There's a few more uh, fixed bugs, which are mainly due to uh, crashes that were found. Um, so there was, uh, aside from that, there was a, a fixed issue with nether surface generation, which was causing floating lava and some crimson forests spawning without nilium. 
Um, but then there were three crashes using a stone cutter was crashing the game under certain circumstances, mobs stamping on turtle eggs causing the game to crash, and then a crash on World Startup after you've been playing in a previous snapshot. And those have all been taken care of as well. So really just getting the major issues out of the way, the only outstanding crashes that they can fix before the uh, full 116 release. So we have potentially a, a full update going going out tomorrow. And yeah, I, like I don't, I'm just itching to play at this point. I'm just looking forward to it at this stage. Yeah, I, I have to come up with my own plan because I'm likely going to be holding off a bit until the dust settles on the full release as I play mainly on a server uh, on the Citadel. And I have not just my own gameplay, but the gameplay of many other people to consider, uh, as well as, as, of course, you know, you and I both run um, community servers of our own yes um and wanting to make sure that you know updating those servers happens in a time when you know it doesn't break anything or, or screw around with any kind of stuff uh so there might be a day or two between tomorrow the release day and when the uh, you know uh, citadel gets an update um however uh i also have had that itch because i popped into a 1.16 release candidate one world on my iMac uh, before the show and walked around for a bit, uh, flew around on creative a little bit, didn't do anything, didn't build anything, didn't even touch a block, just kind of was looking around. Uh, I was in the overworld, I didn't go to the nether. Because uh, again, it was just for a few minutes. Mainly I wanted to check out what has been a long-standing frame stutter on the Mac, uh, which is different from the issues that I'm having locally with my PC. The, the Mac, it was a game thing. Um, this frame stutter bug is much better there's still something wonky going on and I can't exactly tell you what it is, but it feels strange. Uh, it did not feel smooth and the graphic settings were unchanged. I haven't like when you load up a pre-release, it just brings in your settings from your yeah. last game. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't change anything. So it's still a little bit clunky there, but again, I was in there for a minute. Like I didn't do anything. I didn't mind anything. I didn't actually play um, with all the fine tuning that happens behind the scenes uh, between the release candidate and the um, the release tomorrow, um, considering that the release candidate was several days ago or more, um, I'll hold any kind of real kind of like criticisms or, or troubleshooting and stuff until after the actual game comes out. Mm -hmm. um, just because you never know. They're probably, you know, fine tuning all the different things that really don't have much to do with bugs, but they just might have to do with like performance and just fine tuning things. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised that it's not going to give me a headache to even just go in and get screenshots for our show notes yeah <laughs> so that's good i mean it, it obviously things are smoothing out and improved beyond 115 i mean 116 um is is better than 115 it was performing on an imac so that's that's good um for me uh i think i might actually play in the single player world for a little bit i i want to obviously play 116 having to wait for the server uh, for the dust to settle um, to update that, I might just open up a 116 world and get that new world smell both in and out of my system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then when I go back to the Citadel, I'll be like, oh yes, Elytra and all the diamond tools I ever wanted <laughs> with mending, I'm good. Uh, but there are there are some, I think, advantages of, of going into a brand new world when a new version of Minecraft comes out. I know a lot of people often start new things. Uh, new worlds and, and whatnot um i don't see it as often with content creators but i see quite a bit of gameplay like that with uh, our listeners will often say we've reset or i've started a new thing or whatever because sometimes it's just fun to start clean if you don't have anything precious in an older world 
Uh, or if there's a lot of things that break in your older world, then it's like, well, hey, I'll just start brand new. So I'm I'm looking forward to probably doing a stream this week where it's just like me, a 116 world, not Citadel, just kind of like we'll start off and see how far we get. And in a way, it's going to be a good way to test my systems locally, not just test Minecraft, but test to make sure that I can do the things that I want to do as far as streaming goes and all that kind of stuff with 116. Uh, but also sometimes things come up that you just can't read in show notes or read in patch notes. You just have to kind of just play the game for a few hours and and see what that feels like. Um, and then we have new people coming into the podcast all the time and there's new people coming into Minecraft all the time. I think it would be good for me to experience that early, early, early game uh, just to kind of relate, you know, when we have yeah. questions on, on the show. So I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, I think there might be a beeline for Obsidian and... <laughs> and another visit in that first world it might be just like i'm gonna live in this dirt hut for now <laughs> until we can get to the nether and then explore and see what's going on there yeah at least you can be guaranteed that the nether is going to be there because i think that was when you started with uh 115 looking for bees and you were like well there's like one bee nest here because they're so they were so rare at the time and oh, I, yeah. I i think at least this time you can be guaranteed to launch yourself into all of the new nether content as soon as you step through that portal which is which is great um yeah. <laughs> i've already seen a lot of people being like r.i.p anybody who has a soul sand valley spawn the first time they step through a nether portal just immediately <laughs> surrounded by ghosts and skeletons but you know that's yeah. that's the way it will go um i'm of course going to be working on um trimming down the nether chunks in my world basically end of today um, probably in preparation for the world download, actually, just so that I can, you know, take the file size down a little bit. But then mm -hmm. I will, I will be, uh, yeah, generating the Nether, seeing what's out there, and probably streaming it on Tuesday. Just looking for like, you know, I, I might, I might start the the chopping Tuesday instincts might take over, and I might start trying to farm some of the uh, new wood types and everything, so I have a decent stockpile of those. And nice. uh, yes, yeah, swing swing a diamond hoe at a couple of these trees and see what happens because that's going to be. A, <laughs> I think that's the thing that's that's gonna that's what's going to take me by surprise. Like I know all the major features, I have an, a good idea of what all the mobs are and what the the kind of ins and outs of some of that stuff is. It's the quality of life stuff that is going to take me by surprise and be a constant delight. Like I am still reeling from the fact that they allowed you to shift click stuff into crafting tables now um right. makes crafting dispensers and fireworks and stuff so much easier if you've got a three by three grid available to you it's very very good um and that's and that's such an odd little quality of life thing that's always made a difference for me and it's the same with being able to middle click stuff in survival to pick block which is something that i think only came in in like 1.10 1.11 it was a couple of years into me playing the game on pc absolutely changed the way i build so mm -hmm. There's always little stuff like that that they're improving that just takes you completely by surprise. I think that's that's some of the stuff Olraf has been exploring on streams is like wish lists of quality of life features and just like ticking those boxes. So that's super cool. Um, yeah, we we have we have a little bit of a little bit of stuff to look forward to here. And did, didn't you you wanted to say something about the um, Nether Fortress bounding box fix, which is not coming in 1.16, uh, but the the changes to like farm spawn stuff, right? Yeah, I, I I didn't misunderstand, but I did sort of misspeak uh, on the podcast last week uh, in that the the bounding box for the Nether Fortress there's there's two kinds. There's the big big bounding box which covers the entire fortress as it lays in the world. It's a huge rectangle and doesn't have a lot of intricacies to it. It's just a really large box. Uh, that is where you can no longer or will no longer be able to place. 
uh, nether bricks to then get nether mobs to spawn. Um, I had said that they will only spawn on what you see in the game, which is like the nether crossroads, the nether pathways, the nether fortress itself. That makes a lot of sense. That was actually incorrect. The uh, fortress farm that I have built on my server, as well as another a number of other people I, al I also know um, have, have uh, built it on their servers and stuff, uh, those will still work. The crossroads that makes like a plus sign actually has a small bounding box of uh, a, a, a square. It's not, um, it's not a plus sign shaped box. It's actually a square. And you can still build out the platform in that area but it's much smaller. It's only, I don't know what it is. It's like 13 by 13 or 12 by 12 or something like that. Yeah. It's not, it's not big uh, compared to the other areas. So the new Wither Skeleton Farm, the Fortress Farm that I have will not break. It will probably, the spawning rates might change, but the, the, the process in which mobs are going to spawn in it will not change. My old Wither Skeleton Farm, so the one that was designed by Tango Tech where you run along the, um, daylight sensors and you can kind of grab the eye, eye line of a bunch of skeletons yeah, and, and, and like kite them to the end and the point that, of it that's is, not going to work and the point of it is to make something where you can run basically the length of your nether fortress uh yes. in, in the larger hitbox but not the smaller one i would encourage yeah. anybody who has not seen it to look up bounding box outline reloaded which is a java mod that allows you to take a look at the hitboxes of things i've i've used it in a couple of episodes where i made a wither skeleton farm in the survival guide i know tango has used it to demonstrate some of the stuff with those farms that you're talking about and it really helps you understand not just the way hitboxes work for the purposes of making these farms but also how the game generates the structures and how they fit together with that sort of jigsaw style because mm -hmm. the bounding boxes it's like if you've ever used a level editor in say like i'm gonna pull an example from my own experience the tony hawk skateboarding games right the, the tony hawk's pro skater games if you design your own skate park, it gives you a bunch of components to do that, but it will draw this kind of wireframe box around it, which is not the model of the thing you're placing, but it's just this is how much space this is going to take up, and you can't place anything else in the same area. Um, and that is what you see when you open Bounding Box Outline Reloaded in one of these worlds, is you see a bunch of segmented boxes which actually contain all of the pieces of the Nether Fortress as they generate. Uh, and, and that's a really interesting way of, for a start, looking at level design, if you're interested in stuff like that, but also just to see how Minecraft chains these things together, where those crossroads develop, and then, again, for gameplay purposes, getting a look at exactly where the bounding boxes are going to be for the farms that we will now presumably need to make at some point in the future. Once again, not in 1.16, but at some point in the future, we'll need to be making that entirely inside of the bounding box of those fortresses. Moving on to chunk mail, it's actually going to be a chunk mail dispenser episode this week because we don't have a lot of stuff to talk about in the release candidate. We're all just going to have to wait and see what happens tomorrow. Uh, we have a number of emails this week, though, all related to either Minecraft or Minecraft Dungeons, which is great. It's a really cool mix. The email for the show is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, I, did, I didn't get to it, I don't think, in this particular batch, but there was an email that said that, hey, I had a trouble finding your email on the website, and uh, I've had that feedback from another, a number of other people, and uh, it has always been there. It's always been in the show notes for each individual episode, but now... At the very top of spawn, thespawnchunks.com, there is a contact button that will take you to 
a, a page on the site that has the email as well as an email form. You can just email us right there, or uh, you can email us with your own client with spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Uh, please send us an email in the body of the email. If you put your email in the subject line, we're just <laughs> going to delete it because that's not how you write email. And And when you're using these forums, the forums organize that information differently. So you put it in the body of the email because uh, if it's just a subject line thing, we're just not, we're not going to be able to get to it. Um, John, you want to grab the first one? Absolutely, yeah. I thought it was going to be a good opportunity to clear out the mailbag before we inevitably get a bunch of opinions about the Nether update coming into the inbox. Uh, so this first one comes in from Idle Knight Six, who is a community miner in our Discord. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, the Subject being renewable resources. It just says, hello guys, you may have seen in the Discord that a few of us were talking about renewable resources, and I feel it's just a really nice idea, just it would be hard to implement in the game. What are your thoughts on this, and how do you think it could be added into the game? Thanks a lot, Idle Knight 6. And I think um, there's been a, a lot of discussion about renewable resources lately, especially with people considering what's renewable in the Nether update, what is not, what you can get hold of in large quantities. Um, sorry, there's a plane going over <laughs> right now. It's really, really loud. Um, so there's been a lot of discussion about this in the Discord, about what's renewable and what's not. And um, some people were also talking about how it would be better to obtain items in a more humane way, because I think, I think it might have been Dosage who brought this up, but the fact that Bedrock Iron Farms basically also spawn cats. So if you don't want to like end up killing a bunch of cats in lava as long as, uh, along with the Iron Golems, then you have to figure out some way around that. And I feel like it's something that Minecraft has been maybe trending towards a little bit lately, is the idea of a more humane approach to these things. We saw it with 1.14 making changes to villagers and allowing the professions to be recycled, which everyone thought at the time was a sort of a, a, an easy exploit, but ultimately just meant that you weren't killing villagers en masse to get the trades that you wanted. And <laughs> right. I, I wonder if there is some sort of approach. And, and like, like Idle Knight says, it's kind of difficult to implement in the game, but if there could be a more humane approach to harvesting resources like iron that maybe goes down a different route than trading... Um, the Minecraft wiki, and I'll put this in the show notes for you, the Minecraft wiki has a list of non-renewable resources uh, at minecraft.gamepedia.com, uh, which does not list sand, which is my big, um, my big point here, is that, like, I still consider sand a non-renewable resource. Obviously, it's available in large quantities in deserts, and you can get it from the Wandering Trader, but I don't consider the Wandering Trader a renewable source of sand, because... It doesn't show up reliably, and he never has the trades you want. There is no way of, like, forcing him. As far as I know, there may be some sort of game manipulation RNG thing that the folks on Prototech have been able to do, but, like, I, I don't know that when the Wandering Trader is going to stop by with red sand or the kind of stuff I need, so I don't always count on that as being a reliable thing. Same goes with gravel, and sand and gravel obviously being the main components for, uh, for you know concrete powder and that kind of stuff kind of necessary for some of the more recent builds that people have been attempting so i don't know how do we feel about this list and do we think there are ways in which some of this stuff could be made more easily renewable well one thing that i was thinking of that came to mind that's not on the list that i can see are lily pads mm -hmm. yeah lily pads 
are renewable through fishing. And this is one of the reasons oh, I think... Oh, that's what it is. There was a little bit of community pushback about the nerfs to AFK fishing, and people were asking, you know, sure, we understand you're not wanting to get a bunch of mending books and stuff, but lily pads were considered a treasure item and not a junk item. And so I think that's why some recent changes to lily pads were made, because people still wanted to be able to farm them en masse from fishing, and you can't really exploit a whole bunch with a lily pad unless you're some sort of genius so um yeah I, I think i think it's it's technically renewable it's on there it takes a lot of effort of course but it is still mm. a farmable thing um and i think in some ways you can get you can get some things multiple ways in minecraft right like you can yeah get, you know uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now but you, there's some things you can get in different different um methods uh one thing that could be kind of cool, we know that they've talked about adding frogs to the game. Now, I'm not talking about killing frogs. I'm talking about, well, what if you created a habitat where frogs could live happily? And if they were happy, they would generate lily pads to live on that then you could come and take. And then they would generate more lily pads as they had, you know, a, a, an environment that they you know, could could flourish in. Feed the frogs, you know, get lily pads. Um, that could be kind of fun. You know, because I mean, and and kind of makes an obvious connection between frogs and lily pads, which I think a lot of people make, right? Yeah, and also promotes so, taking care of the environment in a certain yeah. way if you're like looking after the frogs in a way, wetland I, preservation, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's good to introduce themes like that into the game for people who want to play like that and make stuff like that available to peaceful players. I remember one of the questions I got for this 303 questions episode was like, how do I make the most out of playing in peaceful? And it occurred to me that yeah peaceful players were only able to farm slime as of the 1.14 update because that introduced pandas who could sneeze for you to get um or was that 113 I, I i forget where the pandas came in at this point but um it also introduced the wandering trader being able to trade you slime balls which once again not the most reliable source but possible and before that mm. they were having to go and find uh, jungle temples to scrounge up sticky pistons <laughs> because there was no other way of getting slime you could craft pistons but not the sticky varieties so it's really quite strange to realize the different aspects of the game that are going to be affected by any change like this whether it is you know a uh, a change to hostile mobs being able to drop something that's not going to affect peaceful players at all and if it's you know it, it how it works with people's different gameplay styles has to come into consideration and so i yeah. wonder you know, with an, another source of iron being uh, zombies. That's, you know, it's a slower, obviously, farm because iron ingots are a rare drop and they only drop one at a time, but you can, with enough time and patience, farm a zombie spawner for a small amount of iron. And if that's a more acceptable route to you than killing iron golems because of, you know, iron golems feeling a little bit more sympathetic as a character, then that's one way you can take it. I know we've talked about gravel and sand, you know, quite a bit, uh, especially with our experience with Skyblock, where they give uh, gravel to zombies and sand to husks as yeah. a either always drop or potential drop. I can't remember which. Do you remember which? It, is it's it? it's effectively like it's a, it's a relatively common drop. You only get one at a right. time, unlike you know multiple rotten flesh. But I'm right. pretty sure, yeah, if if it's if it's a zombie, it drops gravel maybe like sixty percent of the time. It's a pretty common right. thing. Yeah. So, I mean, having something like that is great, but again, doesn't do much for uh, peaceful players, as you mentioned. Uh, I, I've i seen it before in modded Minecraft. We have uh, the composter now uh, for turning plant matter into bone meal. I kind of wonder if there's a way that they could implement some sort of sieve or sift or a crafting recipe that would allow you to then 
create gravel from cobblestone. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you, a crusher of some kind that crusher grinds it down. Yeah. Or we have a grindstone, you know, <laughs> like yeah. uh, grindstone is currently used for removing enchantments. But like, I wonder yeah. if there's an, a way to implement, you know, something like that. Uh, as far as like making gravel and sand and gravel and sand could just be like, well, gravel is the first step and sand is the last step, which is like a geology lesson because that's how it really works. Yeah. You know, you just get stuff that's pounded down by, you know, wind and water erosion and that's how you get gravel and sand in real life. So I think that that would be a way to do it, especially if it was something that I think the trick there is that you'd have to make it a way that players could then get more gameplay out of it so like not just a make make go button like you don't want to just craft stuff you know like i feel like if there was a way to similar to like how you know people make like auto smelters where you have to build this big contraption you feed in the fuel you feed in this item sand and then you get glass coming out the other end if you had a crusher block or a, a, a some way of turning cobblestone and dirt you know into sand uh, or into gravel and then you'd have to say well this is great but i don't want to sit here and craft it like in a crafting bench like one at a time i would rather you know um hook up some sort of um elaborate contraption that would allow me to do it uh on mass similar to how people have developed concrete makers that you know turn the concrete into from powder into concrete and then turn the concrete into collectible blocks usually by these days by tnt because the changes to tnt allow people to um drop um drop the block as opposed to destroying it yes and and i think that that kind of an implementation for some non-renewable resources currently would be would be great um some of the other things on these lists i'm not so sure about uh like i'm torn i would love to have renewable shulker shells naturally in minecraft we have them on the citadel because we have a data pack but like it's not easy it's really time consuming uh it's the voodoo beard um, shulker mite data pack and for the, like for shulker shells like do you how do you feel do you like do you think that shulker shells like having 300 shulker boxes is that like an end game pat on the back that you need or would you much rather have a way to build a shulker farm somewhere see personally i have no issue with it in a single player world because i'm the only player on the map and right. I, I just think of multiplayer servers where there can be so many active players at once and so many people wanting shulker boxes some people hoarding them for themselves because they don't you know they don't want to sell them or like if people sell them and they get bought really quickly from people who don't feel like they're able to go out to the end and find stuff themselves and servers are constantly taking the measure of going into the world files and resetting the dimensions so that they can respawn all those end cities it uh i, I think ultimately having a solution for that in time would be good but i don't know what that looks like and i don't know how it leads to game balance as a result you know you, you would you still want that focus on exploration in the end especially while the end is otherwise fairly barren um i i think maybe having some sort of renewable shulker mechanics in an update that makes the end more interesting to explore would balance things out a little better because then at least you have an incentive to go out into the end islands that isn't just i need to find the next end city and at that mm. point making shulkers renewable would be okay because then that's not people's only reason to go there um so so that you got to consider almost like you know the 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 gameplay side of things as well where the update is going to take you from there um one thing i want to point out because i'm sure people will have pointed out my mistake by this point and be uh champing at the bits to let me know uh, gravel is going to be available from piglins through bartering in 116 the reason it's included on this list right now is because 116 is not fully out yet so uh gravel is as yet 
uh, unrenewable, but will be in, in the next update. And so I think mechanics like bartering and trading have potential to be expanded and different ways. Like Obviously, bartering is not the same as villager trading by design because of you know the nature of piglins and the way they want to take that. So I think there's potential for other mechanics like that to surface that could potentially be the the reason that you know some of this stuff could en end up being renewable and stuff that isn't going to break the game like diamond ore is on this list i'm fine with that <laughs> you know yeah like yeah, yeah. there is some stuff that i think you need to be going digging for and and that's the whole point of the game really yeah um and i agree considering that you can already trade so much diamond stuff with armorers and toolsmiths and so forth if you want equipment and the only thing you need uh, diamonds for at that point is jukeboxes, enchanting tables, and rockets. Um, if you want to make fireworks stars, that's 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 really it. Um, but yeah, I am very much in favor of, as we were saying, a diversity of approaches, a way of approaching things which is more accessible to players who play the game in a variety of ways. Uh, which I think ultimately means thinking about peaceful players, thinking about people who may not want to engage too much in combat. In fact, I don't know if piglins, because they have the potential to be hostile, they're neutral mobs primarily but then they attack you if you don't have gold armor on i don't know if they're going to be in peaceful mode i would presume they are not and so that limits the bartering for gravel with those peaceful players again and you have the same problem see so i think yeah, yeah there, there are definitely solutions out there it, it ultimately comes down to what mojang's focus is going to be for future updates and what avenues they're able to explore with the new additions like they are with piglins in this update our next email comes from Opopo, plans for release date. Hi, Pixel Rifts and Joel. After getting the release date for the Nether update, I went ahead and reset my Nether on my Bedrock world. I plan to live in the Nether for as long as I can. What do you guys plan on doing? Love the streams, videos, and the podcast. So for me, I think I might dabble, like I said, in a single player world for kicks while we wait to see how to best handle the server updates for the Citadel and Infinity Cove, my Patreon server. Uh, something else that's also adding to my list, which I didn't mention earlier, is that we're also looking at switching over to um, Fabric for the server for performance issues and stuff. So I have a lot of things to work out. And so in the meantime, though, I still obviously want to play 116. And I, I really want to do, I think I really want to try like that single player experience. As much as I am enjoying my multiplayer experience, uh, I've really not played single player Minecraft since I dabbled in Skyblock. And that's not even really traditionally a Minecraft. Like it's a Minecraft experience, but it's a very specific one. And so I just haven't had that new world do whatever I want. Don't have to worry about, you know, concessions and, and you know, dealing with uh, other people's feelings and including everyone and i love all that but it's sometimes it's just nice to stretch out and just be like i'm gonna do whatever i want mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that that i think might be uh where i want to go and honestly i the the, the thing that that kind of sparked that idea was just minutes ago uh when i i booted up that test world on my mac uh to to see the the video frames and all that kind of stuff it's actually a really good starting area. It's like a peninsula. There's a flower forest nearby. So there's dyes very early in the game. There's like a forest and a mountain. And like, I'm, I'm actually pretty set in that particular uh, seed. So I might uh, grab the seed and bring it over to my, to my PC and start up a single player world as my test, you know, tomorrow when I go to play, when I go to play 116. Uh, I covered a bit of this, I think earlier in the show, so I won't repeat myself, but what, what are your plans? 
Uh, obviously, with resetting the chunks, I think the first thing I'm going to do is try and figure out how the new landscape fits around what I've already built. Maybe, uh, yeah, go exploring, find those resources and start figuring out what I want to do with the boundaries between the old and the new. I'm not going to be doing a full-on I live in the nether now survival because one of the things I'm most excited about is bringing some of these resources back to the overworld. Mm -hmm. When I was texturing the mountain build uh, over at my ski resort, I realized how little you can see the subtle variations in the gray textures that we have right now. And I think what I really need is to put some blackstone in there that is going to be used to, to, to texture the mountain that's visible from a distance instead of, you know, cyan terracotta blending in with stone because of the distance at which you're viewing things. Very noticeable close up, completely oblivious to it when you're further down the slopes. So I think it's going to be fun to implement some stuff like that. But I, yeah, I, I want to give the nether survival thing a try. And I do, thanks to the charity live stream again, I do owe people a week of Bedrock Edition videos at some point. Oh. So I might try and do the nether survival thing in Bedrock myself at some point in July. Uh, I basically think I'm going to give myself a couple of weeks buffer because there is going to be so much content to explore with the Java Edition in the Survival Guide. Um, and maybe even my Skyblock Let's Play as well, just seeing how far that goes um, in the nether update and what I can get hold of in Skyblock and what I can't. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of interested to explore that aspect of it. I'm not necessarily going to spend like zero time in the nether because I think a lot of the materials we've been saying in previous episodes look really good in the nether and may not translate as well to the overworld, which is really encouraging for building bases in the nether. So yeah, really it's just going to be a matter of seeing what's out there and like you with your new spawn kind of reacting to what the landscape throws at me and thinking, okay, where can I take this next? I think that's going to be the the fun of it for me. Yeah, I want to I want to try and do because I've been building such large things in the city on the Citadel in Southport. I I think I want to try to do some really small things. So like as a as a temporary single player world, you know, I don't want to get into building a giant castle because that just, you know, why would I do that on a single player when I can do it yeah. on on the server? Uh, but I want to try, you know, build a small hut, small farm, small area, uh, bring some of those new blocks to the overworld. What does a you know crimson mushroom you know build look like in the overworld? You know, stuff like that. Um, and and depending on what those new mechanics, you know are and how they i mean we've seen, heard about a lot of them but depending on how they actually work in game and what it's like to bring you know piglin to the overworld and zoglins and all that kind of stuff like what does that change for early game and like what can i kind of explore in that way and i think one of the appealing aspects of starting a new single player world for a new release is just like letting the wind take you you know kind of like yeah uh, you might you know when you pop into that that first nether portal is it insta death with a soul sand valley or are you in the middle of a warped forest and have all kinds of new colors you know available to you to do things with and and try to you know make an enchanted mushroom forest in the overworld like who knows yeah um that kind of stuff could be could be really fun i i think that um i am curious about the textures for the stuff that i've been harping on you know with blackstone people are are, are familiar with my opinion on it and I'm looking to see if I can be proven wrong. You know, like I'm going yeah. to grab some stuff and mess around with it in some places that aren't, aren't so precious and just kind of like see if I can like, ah, you know, like maybe it'll work here, maybe it'll work there because um, I am thinking like even in this little 
this little um, single player adventure, I might still try to make a modern house. Like, I don't think I'm going to make like a little hut or, or a little log cabin. Yeah. I might try to make like a, one of those cool looking like modern flat homes, you know, with open gardens and things and seeing if I can implement any of the black and the gray and some of the things that they've given us in another update and see, just kind of experiment and play in a way that, again, is not influenced by the existing city that I've been designing for months. You know, like I can just like, well, if it doesn't match the city, that's fine. I'm not in it. I can just do whatever the heck I want. Yeah, get yourself a breath of fresh air and maybe come back to that city later with some yeah. some renewed inspiration. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. And yeah, there's there's a, a lot of different a lot of different ways it can go now because of the sheer variety that there is in the Nether. That's that's part of the the most exciting aspect of it for me is is being able to to take in that variety and not look at this ongoing wasteland of netherrack anymore is going to be is going to be an exciting time uh let's move on to an, uh, another email from william thank you so much william uh for an email related to minecraft dungeons because that's still been happening in the background here and there i've still been playing a little bit of it uh my wife and i played some on the stream the other day so super cool to see minecraft dungeons still getting some traction and of course the dlc coming out at some point next month as well once we've all had time to uh you know take in the hype of the nether update uh so this one comes in from william and the subject is upgrading minecraft dungeons gear Says, hi Joel and Pixorifs, I'm a huge fan of the show and listening to the current episode while writing this. In episode 92, you talked about Minecraft dungeons and in particular upgrading gear by sacrificing other items. I think there is already a system planned to get around people out-leveling their weapons too quickly. In the Minecraft Dungeons handbook, they mention an item called Diamond Dust, which, has, which can be purchased for the yet-to-be-implemented Mason Villager. The wiki entry says Diamond Dust is used for upgrading the power level of an item, ensuring that you can progress in the game while still using the same weapon. Do you feel like this would be a good way of balancing the system? Thanks again for the show, William. We also got a related email from Purple Ostrich, which says, Hey there, Joel and Picks. I remember in a recent episode, both of you were wondering what the names were for many of the enemies in Minecraft Dungeons. I recently found the Gamepedia wiki for Minecraft Dungeons that has all the names and pictures of nearly all the mobs in the game, although articles for each mob are still coming out. Hope that helps, and thanks for the great podcast. You guys make yard work so much more enjoyable, Purple Ostrich. Purple Ostrich is out there digging dirt with a diamond shovel, I feel like, but uh, thank you so much <laughs> for the email and for the links to the wiki, which we'll put in the show notes for you guys as well. I hadn't looked at any wiki entries for Minecraft Dungeons because... I was playing it day of release and all of that stuff was still being discovered and the official information was coming out in the form of the book and I feel like, you know, there, there hadn't been enough time for the community to really catalogue all of the stuff that was in the game and get to grips with the mechanics and all of the items and everything. So, you know, the, the information was still trickling through at that point. But by this stage when Dungeons has been out for a few weeks now, I imagine that the resource that that wiki is has been filled out a little bit more which is great. And this diamond dust concept actually sounds pretty cool. What do you think of that, Joel? So I'm, I've got mixed feelings. And the reason for that is because part of the fun for me in Minecraft Dungeons was switching to a new weapon because I had to. Yeah. Uh, and then discovering that I also really liked that weapon, like glaive, you know, over a sword or an axe. I was, I much preferred an axe over my sword because of the way that the animations worked and the spinning stuff and the multiple enemies. But then um, I was hesitant to give up my axe for the glaive, but then I ended up getting a better glaive that had better enchantments. And ultimately I ended up switching and, and really quite liking it. Uh, if I was allowed to, 
continue to use that glaive and just up the level of it every time I wanted to, I don't know that I would really change much. Like I feel like I might fall into that trap of, well, it's working and I can use this dust to uh, upgrade it. Now, that's, it all depends on how common that dust is. If it's not super common, then, then it might not be the easiest thing to do. And you might have to be very careful which weapon you choose to do it with. Um, but the way that Minecraft Dungeons works and how gameplay uh, is tied to your weapon, and then, then that weapon then will dictate the best kind of artifacts to use with it, I think really spices up the gameplay. And if you don't change weapons that often, the chances of you changing artifacts very often are also pretty nil. And I feel like a lot of times when I've been forced to upgrade my weapon, I realized, oh, I have to upgrade the weapon, which means the enchants in the weapon are different, which means that the enchants on my, uh, not the enchants, but the abilities of my artifacts are either redundant or really detrimental to what I'm doing. You know, um, like if I'm no longer dealing a lot of damage or I can't hit multiple enemies at once, bringing all the enemies towards me, bad idea, you know? Mm -hmm. So stuff like that. And I had to change the way that I, I was rolling around and it ended up being fresh and more fun and just a, like a breath of fresh, you know, just a breath, breath of fresh air in the gameplay. So while I like the idea of being able to continue with a, a weapon that you really like, which pro, which might be more important in say like the adventure or the higher level difficulties where you really don't want to change change that much maybe you you want to keep on powering through um but i guess the other way to look at it is too is that I mean, just because diamond dust exists in the game doesn't mean i have to use it yeah it also doesn't mean it's going to be implemented at this point because they haven't mm -hmm. included it in the first release it may be something that comes through with the dlc and maybe the dlc right. justifies its existence in what other gameplay experiences it provides because yeah. what we know about jungle awakens so far is just that there are going to be a few more levels and maybe a plant-themed boss to fight at the end. Uh, and so I imagine it's going to be fairly similar to go through just with the weapons and so forth that you already have. Maybe they're going to throw a few more items and artifacts in there thematic with the the update. But I don't know if this Diamond Dust thing is going to be part of that. There's been no official announcement. And I think the images of the Mason have just been pulled from a couple of promotional videos, maybe like E3 footage and that kind of stuff. So I think it's it's speculative at this point and it's just you know stuff that's been left in the gameplay files in much the same way as we find stuff like that in minecraft happening from time to time so uh yeah it, it may happen it may not but i i do like the idea of being able to carry certain gear forward and that was the the frustration i was having with my my bare fist playthrough which is obviously not the typical playthrough but I was finding if I didn't have gear of a high enough level, then the blacksmith wouldn't trade me too much stuff, and then I would have to equip weapons, load a level, return to the camp, and then that would up my power rating that would allow me to get access to other stuff. But then my strategy was so focused around the armor I was wearing at the time, it wasn't encouraging me to level up to the other sets of armor because I had this strategy locked in. And so if I had some means of leveling up that armor specifically, I might have had a better time in the the early stages of it before i figured out the idea behind the the loot grind uh and and figured out what the algorithm of that did but yeah it it might work out it might it might be might be worth looking into and I, i'm just ultimately really excited for dlc for that game because i had a blast with the main campaign and additional levels new environments to explore are going to be really interesting if they throw some new mechanics our way too that sounds great to me i'm i'm on board and considering the biomes that we've explored in Minecraft Dungeons already and the other biomes that exist in Minecraft, they've got some room to expand thematically, right? Like having a jungle, you know, uh, having a, um, I guess there were kind of some badlands, but 
um, not like a total like Western theme. We haven't yeah. done anything like that. You know, there's there's options for all kinds of uh, of stuff, which I think would be would be really really cool. Uh, we've got one more email. If we've got time, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Let's go for it. This one comes from Pig Jockey, and it is about scaring villagers. Hi, guys. First of all, Joel, it's funny you should mention the corrupted cauldron incident in Minecraft Dungeons because the same thing happened to me with the evoker boss battle. I think basically I died almost immediately not knowing what was going on mm-hmm. <laughs> in, the, in the first time I went through there, and then I had to adjust. Uh, but yes, I can see an evoker also having that effect, especially because there's geomancers that happen at the same time. Um, I'm writing in as I had an idea for Minecraft. What if villagers ran away from you when you were wearing a zombie head? Uh, This could add more life to the game and would make transporting villagers easier. Also, maybe it would have a price. Maybe an iron or snow golem would attack you when you were wearing a zombie head. So if you're coming into a village and you're um, trying to scare the villagers out of it into a specific direction, it sounds like um, Pig Jockey is thinking that the iron golem that is existing in that village would also think you were a zombie and treat you as such mm-hmm. uh, which actually would it, that would be hard because they the the national iron golems they pack a wallop that yes. would not be any that would not be an easy thing to do deal with uh i don't know how hard it is to get a zombie head that's like a charged creeper thing isn't it because i've got the the dat the head data pack on the server so i get zombie heads all the time yeah no it is a it is a charged creeper one so you'd, you'd be able to get wither skeleton skulls and dragon heads naturally and everything else has to be charged creeper so that's creeper skeleton and zombie right. Uh, right. So so gated, not not an easy thing to do right away. Yes, yeah, and and we've been talking about in previous episodes better ways of herding villagers, for want of a better term. Obviously, it's not the not exactly the term we want to use for the human analog in Minecraft, but the um the the difficulty in transporting them from area to area, having to do that with single minecarts, single boats, and often a lot of time and effort being put into that. Whereas if you could sort of chase them into a certain area. Um, you know, imagine them ringing the bell as though a pillager raid is happening, except it's you just, you know, <laughs> in pig jockey's case, probably riding into town on a pig with a zombie head. Um, yeah, I, I like the idea, actually, because it does have balance to it. I think that's the best thing about this is it's not something that just benefits the player. There are other game mechanics involved with this idea. So iron golems, I guess snow golems less so because they don't really do a whole lot and uh, they aren't naturally generated by villages. Um, but I like the idea of iron golems, you know, presenting a bit of a roadblock to the idea of you just being able to run villagers into a certain area, make sure they ran into their houses or anything like that. To be fair, right now you can make them run into their houses just by ringing the bell. Uh, so maybe yeah. that's that's the wrong example. But you know, ha- having them all run away from you down a corridor instead of having to sort of walk up to them and try and nudge them with entity collision so that they'll get into yeah. the the hole you want them to get into. I think that's. That that's potentially going to be it, it. It could be a fun idea. It, it might be implementable via data pack as well. I'm not certain how easy it is to affect entity AI entity behavior using data packs, but I do wonder if maybe they could be, uh, they could be convinced somehow. There's there's some there's some dark magic going into some of those data pack creations. I'm fairly certain. So I I, I do wonder if somebody could implement that. Where if you're wearing a a zombie head, something like that would happen. There are a few precedents for stuff like this for you know wearing something specific on your head being an interaction the first thing that springs to mind with the nether update present in everybody's minds right now is um piglins not attacking you if you wear gold you also have things like enderman not aggroing on you if you wear a pumpkin on your head um 
and I suppose there's to a certain extent there's an interaction with uh, zombie skeletons and creepers if you wear the relevant head then they let you get closer to them before they realize you're hostile and attack you um, so you can you can sneak around a creeper very easily if you have a creeper head on um, so th there is already a little bit of mechanical stuff behind the scenes there that supports this as an idea which is uh, I think something that gives it legs yeah, and I think having it gated behind, you know, the vanilla way of getting a zombie head in the game makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not too exploitable if you yeah. have to go to that length to get it. Because I know on the show I brought up before that it would be cool if if a specific weapon like an axe, you know, um, playing off the vindicator idea that yeah. that if you held an axe in your hand, not to hit the villager with, but in order to make them react, they're like, well, that's a sword. I see swords all the time, or I see bows all the time. But like, oh, an axe. Oh, you mean business. And then they would run the other way. Um, but that, however, reminded me that they really, uh, sorry, they recently changed the way that villagers react to their workstations and that how quickly they will assume one and how um, consistently they will walk towards one. So I'm now wondering whether, you know, you can get that villager to go those last six blocks um, from your minecart, you know, rail by just having that double trapdoor, you know, trick with a profession block on the other side of it. If they'll just be like, oh, look, shiny, and then just walk right into the hole that you want them to go in. Maybe. Uh, that, that might be possible as well. Uh, it all depends on how close they have to be to it in order to say like, yes, I've claimed it, it is now mine. You know, like I think they have to walk a little bit closer to it. So there might be some finicky stuff there. Um, but that could be an easy way if you're going to be like if you're able to just use it not as a permanent profession block but just place it down and just kind of like use it to bait them along um all that kind of stuff uh, it would be interesting it'd be interesting to experiment with like say a lineup of here's a bunch of you know lecterns or smithing tables or something all in a row all 16 blocks apart i don't remember the actual number from the patch notes but you know and then okay well every they're gathered around this one table what happens if you just chop away that table and then they're like, oh, well, there's one right over there. And then they walk over to that one, you know, and it's kind of like leapfrog them, kind of like the the Reese's Pieces trick from uh, E.T. You know, yes. just kind of like yeah, lay, yeah. lay the lay the breadcrumbs down. Um, that would be cool, too, if it was item related. I mean, this might be a little bit too easy. Uh, again, the, the amount of effort going in versus the amount of stuff going out. Uh, similar to how piglins are attracted to gold when you throw it on the ground. If a villager that already has a profession, so not a, a, an unemployed villager, but if it, if it was a mason or a farmer or whatever, if you would put a carrot on the ground and they'd just be like, oh, hey, I want that. Yeah. And if you could literally make breadcrumbs, like, well, farmer, I want you 30 blocks that way. I'm just going to back up and start throwing carrots randomly and see if I can just drag you along. Uh, that would that would make sense. And it's more friendly, I feel, than pushing them with your, like, basically headbutting them into a hole. <laughs> it's I, what it feels I, that, like, yeah. It, yeah, there, there's that's one part of the game where I'm just like... That's it's one of the things that I very consistently will just be like, oh, Minecraft, <laughs> you know, like when I'm playing, it's like this takes me out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, this the, little... the minimalism, the elegance of the game that you've been experiencing thus far. And then you're just like slowly shuffling this person, like kind of nudging them <laughs> with your shoulder to get in this hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like a June bug flying into a glass window, right? It's like, bonk, <laughs> yeah, a little bonk, bit. get in yes. the hole, bonk. You know, like I'm using my I'm not using my words. I'm using my forehead. Just get in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes and and then immediately you know deriding the villagers for not being more intelligent and then you're like they're just like well look at you, <laughs> you nudging us around 
Well, folks, uh, I think that's probably going to be it for this chunk mail dispenser. And I'm sure everyone is eager to go ahead and experience the nether updates. And hopefully you guys have a great time of it. Let us know how that goes. Uh, that wraps up this episode of The Spawn Chunks, though. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast, supported in part by the folks who are listening to us live in Discord right now. If you want to listen to us live in Discord, or if you just get some value out of the show and want to consider putting some value back in, you can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Our community is lovely. Pledging at any level will get you into an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. It also gets us closer to our next milestone goals onwards and upwards. We are currently at 185 patrons which is an increase from last week welcome on board new folks and special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron sigelski greener canuck jd williamson yakov nastin and yitz for their support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show it's free just uh tell people about it tell people where to find it you can find us at the spun chunks on twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best next time you're standing around in a social distance barbecue in the backyard this summer tell someone about the spun chunks and where they can find it you can email the show at spunchunkmail at gmail.com you can also go to the and click on the contact link at the top of the page you can subscribe on itunes android stitcher spotify and youtube and of course leave a review in the apple podcast app even if you don't use the app your main podcast platform may ping it for podcasts so a quick rating on the apple podcast app goes a long way to help out the show the rss feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is johnny but online i go by pixel riffs and you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where we will be stepping into the nether update and in the meantime i've answered a lot of questions from my most recent video so check it out i stream three days a week on twitch doing behind the scenes work for the survival guide and other series i'm also the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search and a quick reminder that all of my revenue for this month is going to various organizations uh, i will probably put a link to those in the show notes as well uh, aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter Twitter, and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my podcast all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, which you can find at thecitadelcafe.com. Uh, Brockett and I actually talked about music last week, which is really cool. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and head over to twitch.tv slash joelduggan for a 116 single-player experience this week and probably a lot of satisfactory. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but make sure you take a backup.